Uh, welcome to, typically I've been, I'm Ann Moody, and I've been moderating panels for Mark uh, uh, these last few months that have been emerging disruptors. And this is actually not termed that, but it, it is. It's emerging female disruptors, whether it's founders, funders, uh, uh, um, uh, and investors. So we'll start with that, and what we'll do is um, you, Rosemary, and we'll start with just introductions, name, what brands you know, and uh, we'll go for it. So I'm, I'm Rosemary Singh, and I have to apologize in advance because I just found out that I'm, I gotta go meet my son in 25 minutes, so he says I have to disappear suddenly. And, uh, anyway, so I, uh, the last more than 17 years, I've been managing Mark Kingdon's family office and, uh, charitable assets. Uh, he's the founder of Kingdon Capital, uh, one of the oldest hedge funds in New York, set up in 83, and, uh, I've been friends with him and his wife for 30 years. My previous career, well, and for, for Mark, basically, I've been uh, investing purely in alternatives funds. A couple of directs, but not not much, not enough, because I don't have the bandwidth to uh, keep totally on top of those, and that's what they need. So, I've also been co-investing all along for my own family, and in the next few months, I'm actually going to be transitioning out of Kingdom after more than 17 years. To, uh, because as, uh, uh, you know, as Mark is getting on an age and so on, it's, uh, there's less appetite. He's also a hedge fund guy at heart. And, uh, there's less appetite for anything in a, with a lockup or a private equity structure. <laughs> and, uh, that, that's, uh, and I do like looking at those types of things. So anyway, so, um, I'm going to continue working with Mrs. Kingdon, um, uh, on a, um, platform with Chinese, uh, families co-investing with what I do. Uh, my background was uh, in um, uh, 20 years in uh, global equities, um, uh, world ex-US, including emerging markets and, and the listed markets, and now privates uh, in private structures. Um, I just introduced myself earlier, but for, um, my name is Samira Salman. I'm in a single-family office based here in the Northeast. I also advise a handful of other families. Um, mainly on private directs. My career is I started as a corporate tax M&A structuring lawyer. Um, so I'm a deal person. I like to roll up my sleeves and get involved um, in the company. I'm also very passionate about figuring out the best ways for us to get capital uh, to women and people of color and um, some of the non-traditional places where capital is invested. Um, so... Terrific. I'll say myself. Uh, I've introduced myself. Henry. Hi, my name is Erica Muller. Um, my background is in real estate investments for 21 years. I started out commercial, moving on to actually the short-term rental asset class. Before Airbnb hit the scene, I was working with a lot of international investors. Um, I became a data scientist recently, and we built some very proprietary algorithms that have uncovered some incredible opportunities across the U.S. on the short-term rental asset class, and we scaled that technology out, and we're taking it to brokerages and real estate agents very soon. We've currently been using it to power funds and mortgage companies doing underwriting. So um, that's our company. It's called Brolio, and I'm the founder and CEO. Good morning. My name is Kathy Briggs. I am a trustee with the City of New Haven, Prince Rupert. 
Now, my background is completely different from what everyone else is doing here, and it might show my age, but I'll give you a brief summary of my background. I used to trade with Freddie Mac years ago, and it was around for the first year when I was fast forward. I um, managed the pension fund at Pepco uh, in D.C. I moved to, D- to New Haven, Connecticut. And I worked with the Bank of Ireland for 11 years in international securities. Uh, fast forward, it was time for a change, and I went into compliance, working at the foundation, working on the investment side there and administration side now with the city of New Haven. But I'm deputy director of economic development for the city, and we invest in small businesses by helping them with startups, growing them access to capital, very strong relationship with Goldman Sachs, 10,000 small business, because we send them a lot of businesses in there with frequent created a loan fund for small businesses, um, minority women-owned businesses. Uh, we're getting ready to start a grant fund for them as well. So my background is looking at you all as potential investments uh, for the pension fund because we give priority to my minority women and we wrote it into our investment policy. I, I, I think so. That's amazing and inspiring. And how do you do that? How do you integrate investing in women and uh, businesses and people of color into your investment strategy? How do you activate all that? You have to be intentional. You really, I mean, that's the key word. You have to be intentional. So when money managers come and present to our fund, I ask them the demographics of their organization. And I look at the pictures, I don't see any women, I don't see the minorities. So tell me about your organization. But you have to be intentional. You can't just say it. You have to really act on it. Because there are so many people out here that say they do priorities to women and minority-owned businesses. But they don't exercise it. And and that's the important key. You have to be intentional. Um, One of the challenges that I had coming to this conference because, well, not this one, but the Opal Conference, because I remember when they first started the conference here in Rhode Island, I was with the Bank of Ireland. But the minority makeup hasn't changed at all since I've been coming to this conference. It hasn't changed. I see more women, but for the most part, it hasn't changed. And that's something that we have to be intentional. Um, one thing that I've been doing is when, so we receive a lot of pitch checks, right, from companies who are looking for investment. And I do take the time when I see a pitch check, and I see them all the time that are like, you know, here's our team, and it's like, seven white men, right? I do take the time to reach out and say, hey guys, you know, I invite you to think about putting some women, people of color on the board as the team to help with introduction. It does take a little time for me, but I'm inviting everybody to do that because like you're saying, it has to be intentional and we have to we have to invest our time to do it. And if you're a male and you're asked to be on a panel and on your panel is a bunch of other men, like please say can we maybe reach out and get a little diversity? Like we have to help each other and do it intentionally. Absolutely, Rosemary. I know you have a perspective on this. 
I have uh, invested quite a lot in diverse um, founders of uh, funds, uh, women and um, and people of color, and uh, over the years, and and uh, it's been following the returns. It's uh, you know invest in the best, and the, best, the largest universe is going to provide you the the best pickings, and um, therefore. You know, uh, you have to intentionally expand your focus on universe, and um, yeah, and then everything takes care of itself. And the data is clear on that as well. Um, I, I, I can picture the slide in my head um, that, that that I saw via the Angel Capital Association that says, you know, women obviously get far less venture funding. And angel funding, but are more resourceful in the use of that funding. And, and, and so with that in mind, you know, what we've done in Cincinnati, Queen City Angels, Jackson number, I joined about six years ago. When I joined, there were two women, um, in, out of 52 members. We've now got a membership of over 170 members, and our membership uh, far outpaces, um, from a gender standpoint, membership in uh, angel groups uh, for for uh, women. Uh, the represent, representation far outpaces that of the national average, which is amazing. What have we got now when you look at our portfolio of companies? We have a lot more diversity there, right? When you've got people doing screening, you have more diverse teams that are doing screenings and intelligence and being on boards of the portfolio companies, we're seeing better returns. Uh, so you know, we, we're excited about what diversity is bringing. Uh, we're seeing it in the portfolio companies that we're investing in in the Midwest. We think there's loads of opportunity there, lots of value, and, and, and including diversity in, in uh, the C-suite as well. I just wanted to add to that that you know we should be thinking about expanding our definition of what diversity is too, right? It's not just about um, gender or skin color or but it's diversity of you know backgrounds. What what's your training, your education? You know, I didn't grow up on Wall Street. I was an attorney, right? So I look at things differently. And to me, I want a team that has a lot of different experiences. They're from different geographic places because when you have different um, perspectives on solving a problem, you're going to get a better solution set, right? If everybody has the same resume on the team, they're going to think about it the same way. So for me, diversity, it, it's diversity in thought, it's diversity in experiences, it's diversity in, you know, how you problem solve because at the end of the day, that's all we're doing, right, is we're solving problems and there's going to be a lot of bigger problems coming in the economy, so I want as many different thoughts on the solution set. Absolutely. Yeah, so the data point that you mentioned is actually 4%. 4% of venture capital goes to female-funded companies, and that's an enormous gap in the industry, if you ask me. Um, but what's interesting is women, female founders, we know that going into it, so we go into business very differently than men do, I think, sometimes, because we always tend to have backup plans. Well, what if we don't get fully funded? We know that's a chance that might happen. It has nothing to do with the product. It has nothing to do with the team. It's the fact that the statistics are stacked against you. So female founders always tend to have backup plans. They tend to have to work smarter and harder. Uh, and I'm not saying men don't, because I work with some fabulous men that are just incredible at what they do. 
Um, but working with women is a completely different dynamic, and it's because we know the chances of getting the funding that we need are just not there the way it is with a male founder. What are some of the things that you do, Erica, as a female founder, to be more resourceful, to ensure that the money that you do get, the funding that you do get, goes further? Right. Well, one thing is we... Yeah, well, um, and to answer your question, one thing we do is we don't have discretionary spending the way a lot of other bigger companies that are well-funded do. Um, we have to get by based on can we get through our runway for the next 18 months, and let's put a backup plan together in case we don't hit this. So a lot of times the hires that need to be made uh, they might not necessarily all get made at the same time. We go as far as we can with the hires we have, and we look at automation as much as possible. Anywhere that you can automate a part of the company to be able to make somebody's job easier and then take on more tasks is something that will save you in a headcount on the bottom line. So we look at doing a lot of stuff with automation and not necessarily making unnecessary hires. Um, travel spending to some of the events, get skips that we might want to go to. We have to really pick and choose the best ones we want to be at. Um, so it's not a comfortable uh, budget. Like if we were out of Silicon Valley raising a $20 million seed round, it's actually quite uncomfortable, but we're okay with it because we know where we're going. Um, yeah, and back up. And, and that's another thing, multiple revenue streams. So, because you're not comfortable, you know, um, discomfort drives innovation. Nothing, nothing drives innovation like being uncomfortable. And so you're constantly coming up with new revenue stream ideas, new ways to bring money into the company, pivoting a lot faster than a comfortable company would pivot. And when you're constantly having to be the little guy in a big pool of, you know, bigger, well-funded companies, you have to outsmart people and you have to move faster. So we've gotten really good at being innovative, moving faster, pivoting quickly, coming up with products and finding the holes where other people are, are kind of missing them. And that's kind of been our, that's how we've stayed around for four years being a very company up until recently. Um, so yeah, about Oh, yeah, so we do real estate data investment analytics, and we actually focused on the hospitality side of the investment recently in the last few years because it's a very fragmented industry of data. But the sharing economy for hospitality investments is a billion-dollar industry. It's growing faster than anyone can keep up with it. The demand for short-term rental investments is far out to the, out, exceeding the supply, um, and the problem investors have is they want to jump in on this, but they don't know where to invest, and they don't have the proper data to do it. So our company was able to build proprietary algorithms, and it's kind of like this new telescope picture that came from NASA where you could clearly see the universe in ways we've never seen it before. Our data tool has shown us markets that we've never been able to even understand before or knew existed. And we're being able to bring that to funds. Um, and we've been powering funds with that data, and myself as well, I'm also an investor. But we've decided, you know, we're going to take this to the whole real estate industry. We want to power every brokerage, every real estate agent out there with their own white label tool so we can provide that in the coming economy we're going into. Because real estate agents have to stay afloat, and in this new economy where prices are dropping, things are changing, um, investors start coming out of the woodworks to buy properties. And if they're not prepared to work with investors with data, they're not going to succeed. That's how I was able to survive the economic collapse from 2008 to 2013 is everybody was losing everything. We were in one of the worst recessions ever, in, especially in real estate. 
Um, I was actually making more money than every real estate agent in the city of Orlando because I pivoted and I started realizing there was a niche of short-term rental investors coming from overseas. And the amount of money coming from overseas during that time, buying up all of our foreclosures was unbelievable. So I capitalized on that. I jumped into that niche and I did over $60 million in short-term rental sales volume during that time. But that's how it led me to finding out some of the holes in that and the data. So um, long story short is you get creative, you find the holes in the industry, you pivot fast, and you find ways to make it work. And innovation is definitely driven by discomfort. I think female founders know a lot about that. I am, yeah, we're in a seed round. Yeah, we're in a seed round, we're raising $2 million in our seed round. So we only have a little left, how much? left? We, we are halfway there, we have another million to raise. Yeah. And how much did you do, how much do you have year-to-date sales? Um, we've done $40 million in the last year and a half in short-term rental sales volume powered by our tools, so we are revenue generating for powering um, hundreds of investors across the country. Awesome. I would like to know more about your company and um, how, so if we wanted to invest in the world, how would we do that? Absolutely. I just asked you the question. Yeah, well, if you want to invest, we'd love, I'd love to chat with you after. Um, we are halfway through our seed round, so we are looking to raise the other million, and um, we're almost there, so let's talk after this for sure. If anyone else has an interest on here, I'd have to talk about it. So we're in pretty uncertain times right now. We haven't had uh, we've had Bill's talk earlier this morning, which uh, ended on a quite dour note. And I still didn't get the answer to my question about what's happening with the lowest in the cohort in, in, in globally as well as in the US, but uh, hopefully Stephen will get to that. Um, so but in the midst of all the uncertainty certainly that we have right now, how are, how are you thinking about all of us uh, on the panel thinking about the, in your investment strategies and, uh, and you as a founder as well? Affecting you. Well, um, you know, in, in, in our hedge fund investments, it's been very obvious. These are marketable securities held and the markdowns are done and uh, uh, being managed and so on. It's on the, on the PE structured funds that we're going to have rolling markdowns. In the initial phases, it's, um, I mean, most of the marks are done on, on uh, to fair, fair market value, which is a combination of um, listed peer companies and unlisted peer companies at most recent rounds and underlying revenue growth. So, uh, so far what we've seen in some of the underlying holdings, the revenue growth yeah, has offset uh, many of the pure company um, uh, markdowns, and um, uh, but uh, it, it's probably not going to stay that way as the economy slows and so on. So I've paid a lot of attention to uh, in, in, on the technology side to invest in um, in companies that are help um, that are productivity enhancers and help their customers to lower cost, and that should be fairly recession resistant. I have been very worried about um, uh, about market froth and stretched valuations for the last two years. I always tend to worry early. I think that's part of being a woman and a mother. 
And um, so I've, uh, yeah, so I've tried to, you know, I've, I think I'm, I've done a, a good job avoiding some of the icebergs that I've looked at in the last two years, but um, I, there's going to be a lot of adjustment coming, and one of my big concerns is on the uh, venture side, um, there's going to be a, a huge need for additional capital, which um, where companies just took it for granted that it would be available because of the amount of private capital chasing deals for the last years, but that suddenly got with, um, you know, with, uh, so I think that's going to be an area of a lot of concern and a lot of the, uh, the companies that are regarded as very successful venture companies growing strongly and so on is going to come as a bit of a surprise how much capital they still need. Now you can work with a Right. How does that oh, yeah. <laughs> but how does that is the dynamic change? Is there going to create more opportunities? It's going to. Um, I'm going to have. Uh, well, okay. I'm going to have a lot more. Uh, well, freedom from hedge fund compliance <laughs> because uh, even though I've, I manage charitable assets and so on, I underline the structure. And um, I, I yes, I'm I'm hoping that it's going to be a a broader and more long-term focused um, uh, universe and you know, like parameters that I that I uh, operate within. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think you know at the end of the pandemic, what we did was we rolled up our sleeves, we uh, called our portfolio companies, and we looked at numbers and scrubbed deeply down into. Um, the general ledger account levels to look at what is pricing, what is spending, what is revenue. And I think that's something that we need to do right now as well. You know, you've got to look in there and see, okay, these are the projections. This is my, but always doing, you know, budget to actual analysis and thinking through where can we tweak? Because like you're saying, it's not, not a big like, oh, here's the magic. We've gotten another five million dollars. But if you go into the details of the number, hi Rosemary, thank you. If you go to the details of the numbers, that's where you're going to find places where you can make adjustments. And, you know, it's that annoying phrase, the devil's in the details. But you make little tweaks here and there, and you might pull back some of the revenue projections, find places to cut expenses. I mean, that's the difference between success and failure is roll up your sleeves and get in the details and figure out where can I move things around and how so I can survive over, you know, in our cash flow and kind of, or our cash needs can um, survive whatever the you know ups and downs in the investment abilities are. I mean, I think a, a rule of thumb is it's just like if you hire a contractor to remodel your house, double what they tell you. The same thing with how long it's going to take you to raise funding, right? It's going to always take twice as long, three times as long, and especially in um, when market conditions uh, cause behavior to be a little bit postponed and more thoughtful, you've got to figure out how am I going to survive through it. With that in mind, Erica, how, how are you finding the market conditions now affecting your funding? Yeah, so um, what's interesting about that is we, we focus a lot on strategic investment because when you're focusing on just general VCs, you know, they are pulling back right now with valuations. They're a little afraid to touch certain things. They want to wait a little longer to see what happens over the next six months. 
Um, so our, our strategy has really been strategic investment capital coming from people within our industry that understand prop tech and real estate and how the market is shifting because they can see the value in what we're doing. They understand that our tools are actually more needed in that type of economy and they're not as afraid to invest. Um, so really our strategy is to be very, very precise about the type of investors we're talking to, who we're pitching, making sure in advance this is someone that really even understands kind of the industry and what we're doing. Um, and, and this is a time issue, too, because as a founder, when you're fundraising and you're building the company, you don't have a lot of time to just pitch 100 different VCs just to pitch. You have to be precise about it. So, you know, we just we target those that are in the industry with real estate because a lot of people in real estate know that when a market turns, there's always an opportunity. It's just a different type of investor that's buying. Right. And so those are the type of investors that tend to value data tools more. They tend to value, you know, certain market conditions and economic conditions. Um, and they use data to power those decisions. So, um, yeah, for us, it's just been finding a different type of investor. And Kathy, just before we go to audience questions, any changes in the way, given the market dynamics right now, in the way that you are looking at things with your funding? So, as I mentioned earlier, our consultants really anticipated this happening, and last year we started making changes to our funds. We're long-term investors, so we're here to ride the waves. Um, it's going to be up and down markets, and we just have, we're, we're really comfortable with where we are now. Only thing we may look for, we may look for a, a private equity uh, firm or investment, but we're really comfortable where we are. We think the long-term. Okay. So, questions from the audience? Comments, questions? Great way of time. Thank you each for giving your time and your knowledge and wisdom to us. What do you each need to be successful and how can we support you as allies? Okay, what do we need to be successful and how uh, how can how can they help? In that, so let's start with our our, our founder. Um, um, yeah, thank you for asking. That's a really great question. Um, honestly, it's it's more about listening and giving us the time to share what we're doing and keep an open mind. Um, sometimes there sometimes there is a bias that we don't even realize we have when we're talking to a female founder. Um, and we automatically question you know, subconsciously their capabilities and where the company's going. And I'm not saying it's anything anyone does on purpose or is wrong. It just is what it is. Um, one of the things you can do is just possibly try to recognize that, maybe set it aside and, and talk to them just the same as you would any other male founder and um, ask them the same exact questions. There's no reason to treat them any differently, but give them the same opportunity and the same evaluation you would of your, your male counterparts because I really believe that if you can move past the fact, the fact that it's a female founder, um, you know, and there's that bias that you'll find that, you, and you look at the data, female founders are just as capable of male, as males, and the data supports that they have higher exits and more resourceful companies. So it is a solid investment strategy if their product is good and everything else checks out. Okay. 
Uh, I'll speak with it from a couple of the hats that I wear. Uh, one, um, uh, I'm the executive director for Xavier University's Center for Experiential Learning. And so I come into contact with a lot of really bright and talented students. So if you're looking for uh, interns, and uh, I can tell you I hired one myself, then I've got four student leaders uh, for the center um, uh, itself. And Jack and I are collaborating on some things with uh, Chase Law, an entrepreneurship program, and doing some innovative things together with his students and my students, which I love. Um, another thing you can do, I think Jack and I have collaborated, there's a lot of collaboration, Jack, isn't there, um, on uh, raising a fund, the 361 Ohio Tech Fund. There's still a little room in that fund if uh, folks are interested to get involved and want to involve, get involved in investing in companies that are in the Midwest, that we are keeping a very close eye on, and that we're quite that we're quite high on. Um, so I, I'd say those are two those are two points um, in, in terms of the hats that I'm wearing. Um, so I always look for other families to co-invest with and share a deal flow and look at companies together. So if you're a, a family here who's looking to make you know, private direct investments or even look at funds together. I think that when you do kind of group diligence, you get, that's how I learn, right? I learn on, on the questions that other people ask. So always looking to meet families, always looking to meet companies that need funding. Um, founders, if you're a founder or management team and you need funding, would love to you know, learn what you're working on. Um, people always ask me like, what do you guys invest in? Well, I do work for one specific family but I have a group of many other families, so it's like it's like we can look at anything, and every now and then, like I'll just find something that in a million years nobody ever thought they would be investing in that industry or in that type of you know capital stack. But it was interesting, and we enjoyed the founders and the people invest in people. So I'm always looking for that. Um, personally, I'm looking for um, a public company board seat that's on my to-do list right now, um, and I love these kind of speaking engagements, moderating panels, hosting discussions, especially if you have a firm that you want to kind of get more women involved or whatever it is, right? So if anybody wants to talk to me about that as well, you can find me on LinkedIn. Amen on the board seat, thing. I want to continue to progress in that regard. I just want to add, and I know everyone's looking to invest, but also look in your respective communities at these small businesses, because most of the small businesses that have started during this COVID crisis have been women-owned. And those businesses, you, some of them are open to taking an equity position, but some of them just may need some cash flow. So look at your respective communities and help those small businesses grow. Yeah. Yeah. One, more question. One more question. Yes. Alright, all the way back. Mark, I don't know what you were. You're still a Yeah, I was telling you. But he didn't wear cute sneaks like mine. Here we go. I'm going to hand it across. Hi, I'm Desiree Patton. I run the House of Girls Baby Christmas. So, my question is, is that also an answer, is, is that sharing resources and relationships is the best thing you can do for women in diverse groups. So the idea is, is that if any of you have a platform, I'd love to connect with you and also vice versa anyone in the group who wants to be part of that. It's usually not just the funding, but how do you scale by having a relationship and resources to get it out there. So that's the biggest plug you can help support all classes 
economically and age groups. So thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Deborah. Thank you. That, that's actually the segue to the next one. So it's all about not just capital, it's strategic capital, strategic partners, people. Right? So let's thank everybody. Thank you, man. Come join our 361 firm community of investors and thought leaders. We have a lot of events created by the community as we collaborate on investments and philanthropic interests. Join us.